Hello and welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending February 9th, 2024. I'm your host, Michelle Bajargal, and today I'm joined by our investment strategist, Bei Chen Lin. Bei Chen, welcome. Thanks, Michelle. Great to have you. Um, so before we delve into markets and economy, perhaps um, you can answer the question of who is your pick for the Super Bowl winner this weekend? Sure. Well, I don't want to pick sides, but I will point out that the market, the S&P 500, as of February 7th, closed at around 49.95. So make of that what you will. But with respect to the Super Bowl, I do think it's an important event to watch. Obviously, you've got a lot of excited football fans. From my perspective as an investment professional, I'm also going to be focused on things like attendance at the Super Bowl because ultimately, you know, we've seen this trend in the U.S. where the economy has just been much stronger than people were expecting, right? Especially when you look at the mix of cyclical spending to stable spending, you see that people are actually still spending on things like travel, on sports and entertainment. And so you do see that there has been resilience in the U.S. economy. So while everyone else is watching the halftime show, I'm going to be doing number crunching about how many people are in attendance. Pivoting to the economic data, let's talk about U.S. economic data. Uh, perhaps you can cover January jobs report and ISM data. What does the combination of these data points suggest? Um, if you can talk through that. Yeah, sure. So there continues to be this trend of resilience in the U.S. economy. When we look at the jobs report, the January jobs creation number was much hotter than what consensus was looking at. Consensus was looking for only around 180 to 190,000 jobs. We actually saw 353,000 jobs added in the month of January. Moreover, when you look at where that job creation is happening, it's no longer just in leisure and hospitality or healthcare and education, but it's broadened out to other private sector hiring as well. When you look at the ISM data, you also see signs of resilience there. The ISM manufacturing number, it improved compared to the previous month. And even though the ISM manufacturing is still below 50, so it's technically in contractionary territory, when you look at the subcomponents, specifically the new order subcomponents, you see that manufacturing companies are receiving more new orders compared to the previous month. And so that suggests that the previous contraction that you had been seeing in the manufacturing sector may be coming to an end. Mm -hmm. On the services side, the ISM services number was also very good. And that shows once again that the U.S. economy is actually fairly robust and resilient. Now, the challenge is, even though we like a resilient economy, there's always this tension. There's always this risk where if the economy is too hot, too resilient, it might delay the Fed's ability to cut interest rates. We've already seen them push back at this idea of cutting rates in March. If for whatever reason the economic data continues to remain resilient and continues to remain very hot and above trend for a considerable amount of time, it's possible that they might not even be able to cut in May and they might have to hold rates higher for longer. So that's something that we're going to be watching very closely is really how is the economy evolving. Our base case is that we do expect inflation to soften, we expect the labor market to soften, and we do think that the risk of recession in the U.S. within the next 12 to 18 months remains elevated, but it's always important to see how the data evolves. So it sounds like generally the U.S. economy is continuing to show strength, but how about economies more globally? Well, when you look at the global picture, I think the U.S. does stand out as being one of the pockets of resilience. When you look at other countries, you know, Europe, their leading economic indicators continue to be quite weak. Canada will get the jobs report this upcoming Friday. 
but the job creation in Canada for a long time has been weaker than the job creation in the U.S., even though these two countries are so close to each other, geographically speaking. And then when you look at China, there's been a lot of headwinds when it comes to the consumer confidence as well as the property sector there. My colleagues, Alex Kuzli and Gavor, they're releasing a blog today, which sort of goes into depth on some of the structural and cyclical challenges that China faces. So be sure to check that out. But ultimately, it is the story of the U.S. probably for now looks the most attractive from that cycle perspective, although there's always that question of going forward, can that be sustained? We still think that recession risks in the U.S. and globally remain elevated. So going back, uh, U.S. economy is doing well. S&P 500 is hitting new records. What are your thoughts on asset allocation, particularly equity allocation? I think it's really important for investors to be disciplined. And I know we've said this numerous times already, but at the end of the day, when you look at the mix of factors, yes, the S&P 500 is hitting new highs, but ultimately, because the markets might be underappreciating the risk of a recession, this is not the time to chase into those all-time highs. We're not saying go underweight equity. You know That would take a really high bar for us to do that because we believe in the medium to longer term, there is benefit to having an equity asset allocation. But rather, what we are saying is don't chase into that equity rally. Don't overweight equities tactically just because you see the S&P 500 making record highs. Instead, stick closer to your strategic asset allocation. When it comes to regional preferences, we are broadly speaking fairly neutral on that. Yes, U.S. equities are more expensive than equities in Europe and more expensive than equities in Asia. But also, as we've alluded to earlier, you know, at least for now, there seems to be more U.S. economic resilience compared to the state of the economy in those other regions. So because of that, when it comes to regional preferences, we're also broadly speaking neutral in terms of our recommendations. And that's why we think it's important for investors to be close to their strategic asset allocation at this time. My final comment is that when you look at investor sentiment, there is a lot of optimism in the markets. We're seeing signs that the markets, especially the U.S. ones, might be somewhat overbought, but they're still not yet at a euphoric level. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the U.S. markets are somewhat overbought, again, keeps us cautious and prevents us from chasing into that equity rally. So bottom line, stay disciplined, stay disciplined, stay disciplined. You know, I'm not a good cheerleader when it comes to football, but I am a good cheerleader for staying disciplined. Well, um, thank you for your insights. Stay disciplined and we'll see you next week. Thank you.